Welcome to the Shoreline Maritime Risk Podcast. In each episode, we'll look at real-time case studies, current events, and speak to the experts dealing with critical risks at sea. What really happens when a crisis strikes at sea? And what can you do to protect your ship? Good day and welcome to this, the ninth episode in Shoreline's Maritime Risk Podcast series. Today we have the pleasure of speaking to Tom Kwai. Tom is an expert in all matters relating to cyber insurance and reinsurance and acts as the cyber practice leader at Acrishore Re in London. Acrishore Re are the chosen broker for Shoreline's placement of reinsurance which supports the ongoing provision of their maritime cyber insurance solution to their ship owner clients. And it's with great pleasure that we have the opportunity to speak with Tom today in order to get a snapshot and update on the current state of the cyber insurance market in London and the rest of the world. So, good afternoon, Tom. Thank you for joining us today on Shoreline's Cyber Podcast, where we intend to look at the the current state of the cyber insurance and reinsurance market in the London market. So I'll start by introducing you. You are our trusted reinsurance broker. You are the uh, the cyber practice leader for Acrisure Re. And of course, uh, both your company and our company have shared parental ownership by the Acrisure company in the US. So we work very much as colleagues on, on the placement of this maritime cyber insurance. And, and we look forward to hearing really your comments on on a, a very changeable reinsurance market in, in London at the moment. As you know, we, we came to London a couple of weeks ago to see you and your colleagues. And, you know, we, we got a very clear picture from both yourself and, and our reinsurers about how difficult the market is at present and the current issues that they face in terms of the availability of capacity, et cetera. And we thought because um, a lot of our ship owner clients are now looking at the provision of maritime cyber insurance to protect their companies, they do so at a time when the market is becoming somewhat constrained. And so we thought it would be helpful just to reach out to you to give us your expert opinion on what is happening here and now in the market and how the market might look going forward, say, six months or certainly beyond 1-1 next year. So um, be very welcome to hear your thoughts and comments on, on, on the current state of the, of the cyber insurance market. Over to you. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, with our shared shared ownership and opposition to Actuary with uh, the actual group um, uh, and the vision and of the business that we we handle within Actuary, both in the US on a, a retail basis, um, but also in our wholesale division in London and our reinsurance division um, and offices around the world. We've got quite a quite a good view of. Uh, of the cyber market, both from an insurance and reinsurance perspective, and so uh, yeah, hopefully you can give some uh, you know updates on on where we are and, and perhaps uh, how we ended up uh, where we are. Um, I think you know the first thing to kind of to say is that you know there's been a, a rapidly uh, evolving threat landscape in, in cyber over the last uh, three or four years, and with that has come um, fairly. Uh, rapid deterioration in, in the underwriting uh, results of, of a lot of the, the cyber insurers uh, around the world um, as a uh, as a risk as a as an insurance uh, line. Um, 
the exposure and the losses have, have, have started to they started in the in the privacy arena where people were buying cyber policies four or five years ago to protect them from privacy liability claims and data breach costs and fines and penalties. Um, but but more recent evolved into uh, more of a, a first party crime and uh, ransomware uh, ransom payment type um, loss exposure which now is impacting a much broader spectrum uh, of industries uh, around the world than perhaps uh, previously when it was more privacy focused uh, on data rich businesses. And I think that's key because the product line is now increasingly more relevant than ever to those businesses um, outside of the, the retail sector and the healthcare sector, for example, and uh, especially important to uh, the marine sector now, uh, where the reliance upon networks is uh, increasingly important. Why is that threat landscape changed? Well, you know, underlying um, underlying this market is 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 a, a, a is primarily driven by the the economical benefit of uh, criminal organisations uh, and other threat actors uh, and how they uh, deem the value and how they extract the value from their their targets. So, if you go back four or five years ago, um, data theft was the the number one way to extract value. So theft of credit card details and um, theft of social security numbers and, and other data that can be used to, to clone identities and, um, and and take money off of, uh, of bank cards and be sold on the, on the dark web. Um, that has is still an issue, um, but the value of, of that data has arguably reduced because of the supply and demand economics. And therefore, we've seen a move towards um, the monetization of the locking out of computer networks um, and the direct theft of funds um, from people's systems and banks. Um, and that's why this evolution has occurred. In the end of 19 and into, into, 19, uh, into 2020, um, we saw rapid, rapid deterioration in, in ransomware losses. And it was already a trend of the criminals to to steal and obtain financial gain from, from locking people out of their, their networks. But the move to remote working and the reduction in levels of security um, brought on by this, um, with people moving to work from home from laptops, which perhaps weren't as well protected as uh, their home networks, uh, really exacerbated the, uh, the, the already growing issue. Yeah, that very high-level overview uh, leads us to why we've seen a very dramatic correction um, for the back end of 2020 and into 21 in terms of both rate, uh, with rates now uh, arguably on average up, you know, 40 to 50% um, uh, in 2021, um, with some sectors uh, more hard hit in terms of rate increase than others. But also we're seeing a greater focus on um, risk selection. So there are several uh, cybersecurity minimum standards that uh, almost all markets now require to be hit in order for terms to be offered. Equally, we've seen a restriction in terms and conditions with uh, a focus now on supplementing specific costs and expenses, for example, ransom payments. Um, and equally, a tightening of terms uh, that perhaps were broadened uh, out 
uh, during the softer markets uh, in the years uh, preceding 21. And then lastly, and, and quite importantly, and this is tied to rate as well, we've seen a, a significant reduction in, in limit profiles deployed by our students and also on the insurance side of the business. Um, this is, if you think about it in the Lloyds context, for example, many of our syndicates in London were only given uh, you know, 20, 25% perhaps um, growth this year. And with rate increases tracking at you know, 30, 40, 50%, uh, depending on the book, um, there is limited room for growth. In fact, there is no room for growth. And therefore, they uh, are either having to come off risks if the minimum controls aren't um, hit or equally they're, they're having to halve their lines or, 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 or even uh, reduce it further. Uh, that, that's having an impact on, 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 on the whole market in terms of supply and demand of, of aggregate because people they bought significant limits are now not able to access that. And people are having to pay more in order to access the, the limited supply of, of capacity. And that's compounding the, the rate increases um, we're seeing. And uh, I think that really is um, a sort of whistle-stop tour of, of the contraction of the market. Uh, and if I can sort of sum- summarise and paraphrase what you're saying so that I can get my understanding right. I mean, this was ostensibly an emerging market some years ago with fairly good um, loss ratios due to the sort of change in the... Um, in, in the attack um, vectors uh, and a move towards ransomware, we now see a proliferation of losses in the market with perhaps higher limits than had been originally anticipated because I know that back in the day when the, the ransomware um, um, attacks first emerged, they were for very small quantums of money and now they've we understand they've, they've uh, increased quite significantly. This has obviously changed um, the underwriting perspective in the market in terms of uh, as you say, they, they've been tightening up these um, minimum requirements in terms of how a company um, safeguards its cyber resilience and, and what security checks it has in, and you know checks and balances it has in place. And there are certain we, we've certainly seen that from our perspective. These 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 minimum requirements have increased quite significantly. Um, you talk about the fact that um, the supply and demand issue is beginning to bite on rate, and uh, and as you say, that forty to fifty percent increase in rate is quite eye-watering from an insurance buyer's perspective, but from the capacity provider's perspective, it's perfectly understandable. And the fact that uh, because there's been um, a sort of increased demand for this insurance and and the capacity hasn't flowed in the same way, um, that availability just simply economics has meant the rate has had to increase and the rate seems to be now deployed to existing business rather than new business uh, as i understand it certainly through to um certainly through to the uh, the beginning of next year um you know and i think you know some of these issues are relevant to our client base um you know, certainly in respect of um, of the the minimum um, underwriting guidelines required for us even to provide a quotation, uh, we do find that you know although I think it's well publicised that the ship earning industry sector have been fairly late adopters of risk transfer and 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 um, the acquisition of of cyber insurance. Um, um, covers to to transfer this risk out of their businesses. We are beginning to see them, um, perhaps prompted by a the proliferation in attacks on the industry, and b the regulatory requirements from the IMO. We are beginning to see ship owners taking a more proactive stance on um, 
on on security measures and 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 making sure that their systems and networks are, are properly protected. Uh, maybe you just want to touch upon you know how those minimum requirements have changed, and um, what what the sort of minimum prerequisites really are. Um, that would be helpful. You know, the underwriters are learning about these new threats as they experience them, um, because it's 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 what's going to happen. In the future, that, that, that most of the underwriters are, are concerned about, and, and uh, trying to avoid that as the threat evolves. So, you know, initially, and this, the, all of these are minimum standards, but I'll, I'll talk through them in terms of how they've kind of evolved as the time has gone on. But initially, the focus was on um, remote access to uh, the network, the, the, the corporate network. Um, so, with the, the move to remote working, people uh, accessing. Uh, the corporate network from their laptops or mobiles or otherwise, um, there is now a, a pretty firm red line in the sand that, that multi-factor authentication needs to be used in order to um, obtain access to the to the network. Um, and primarily, that's to avoid uh, the threat of a stolen credential being used to access very uh, easily um, a corporate network, uh, which we saw in, for example, the Colonial Pipeline attack in, in the US, um, which resulted in significant costs to, to that insured. Um, within remote access, there's there's a further focus on what we call remote desktop protocol, um, which is a, another form of remote access, but equally allows uh, the user to remove laterally within uh, a corporate network. So there's a the requirement for multi-factor authentication to be then required for the RDP protocols as well. Um, we've then seen a, you know, a, a focus or a move, an evolution into a focus on what insureds are doing with regard to backups. Um, so, should a adversary be able to get onto the network and be able to um, have a look around the network for valuable data or systems? or applications in order to encrypt them. Underwriters are now keen to understand how quickly an insured could recover from, uh, or recover their critical data, if not uh, more data and applications from uh, from backups. So, you know, it's, it's no longer uh, acceptable just to be um, taking quarterly backups. Um, more regular backups of critical data are required and the protection of those backups is, is being heavily underwritten. So if they're on online, but perhaps offsite in the cloud, then you know, encryption, again, multi-factor authentication to access those uh, backups is required. In an ideal situation, critical data is backed up uh, offline, so not attached to the network and stored on tape driving encrypted and therefore uh, easily well not easily corrupted and easily brought back onto the network should that be a more efficient way of getting the system back up and running um, and they need to be regularly tested these processes i think as the evolution of these losses has uh, moved on underwriters have realized that you know just encrypting your backups is, is not good enough they need to be tested because there have been examples of people testing their backup procedures and realizing that the encryption key for their backups is stored on the network and therefore uh, the, the backups are unencryptable. Uh, well, they, they can't get access to the, the, the backups because the key is uh, is encrypted by a potential ransomware on the network. So things like this and working through the playbook, uh, understanding actually how quickly 
those backups could be uploaded onto the network from an off-site location. Sometimes that takes quite a long time. So working through these procedures in order to mitigate a potential loss is, is another focus of, of underwriters. Lastly, another uh, an area that has been uh, heavily scrutinized recently is the use of a PAM tool, a privileged uh, account management tool where uh, certain uh, users um, and their credentials are are stored and renewed um, on a regular basis. In fact, each time that, that user logs into that PAM tool, again, using um, multi-factor authentication uh, to prevent someone with a high level of admin rights being able to uh, work their way around the networks that should be very well segmented. So but those are some areas of focus. There are, there are lots of others and everything is, as, is, is increasingly more important as, as capacity reduces and rates increase and uh, the demand to, to, to make uh, insured look, look better in the light, eyes of an underwriter becomes more imperative. And, you know, something we are trying to sort of com communicate to our ship owner clients as well, and many of whom are beginning to implement those sort of security measures, we're pleased to say. Um, the other thing that's probably worth looking into a little in a little more detail is the fact that, you know, because of this contraction of the availability capacity, under, uh, underwriters and uh, well, insurers and reinsurers are becoming more circumspect in terms of the risk they put on their books and risk, as you said, risk selection is becoming, um, you know, they're becoming more discerning in terms of what risks they will look at. And, you know, is that sector specific? I mean, I, you know, how does, how does shipping fit within um, the sectoral um, landscape in terms of appetite for risk from these insurers and reinsurers? I mean, I guess some sectors are more, of more interest and they have more appetite than than other sectors. I mean, oh, is shipping viewed as a, a fairly sophisticated risk, as fairly uh, high risk, or you know, where does it sit within? Uh, I don't know. Um, um, uh, you know, municipalities or uh, pharma, uh, pharmaceuticals, or you know, I mean, where does where does the shipping sector sit on their their sort of uh, risk appetite? Did one just then, which is you know, pub, the public sector municipalities in, in the US and, and Canada, where um, a combination of, you know, uh, a high risk um, uh, activities, so, you know, high volumes of data, but also um, very important public services um, being run by these, these local government bodies, um, combined with a very low IT budget, um, yeah, resulting in a uh, a, a very high you know, cadence of, of ransomware being being uh, put on those those networks and uh, an incredibly high loss ratio for that that sector in the cyberspace. So, you know, they've they've certainly felt the brunt of uh, some markets pulling out of that that sector altogether. There there are, there are others that are perhaps close, or maybe some insurers wouldn't wouldn't get involved in, like. Uh, uh, some airlines, for example, um, you know, casinos, uh, other areas. But on the other end of the spectrum, you've got some you know, banks and financial institutions which are getting towards you know, uh, yeah, very, very high levels of security. Where, uh, but, but, but that's because they they have the money, they have the investment in, in IT security, and yeah, frankly, that's been their uh, their, their work and their aim to keep their their assets secure even before the you know, computer networks were, were a thing uh, the age of the bank robber and, and the like so there's a, there's a kind of a psyche there um, 
so yeah, I, I think yeah, the marine sector would probably be somewhere somewhere in the middle, and uh, it's 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 very important to be able to differentiate um, your client um, or yourself in the eyes of the underwriter um, when it comes to your risk controls, because there is a general, arguably a general view that the investment in cybersecurity has been on the on the lower end uh, when compared to other industries. We're in a fairly privileged position here, having um, well, having had you secure um, our facility um, from April this year through to April next year. Given the uh, the macro changes in the market, I'm, I guess what I'm hearing from you from a an open market placement perspective is now is not really the time to be seeking terms with the the constriction in the the capacity and the increase in rate. Um, <clears throat> I guess one would hope that. From an open open market perspective, as from one one next year, there might be a bit more capacity availability and, and a lessening of that rate, perhaps. Um, so yeah, I mean, Shoreliner in the fortunate position where we can still offer our maritime uh, cyber insurance to both the commercial shipping and the yachting sector, subject to the uh, the five million limit for commercial and the one million limit for the yachts. But we are beginning to see a lot more interest in that product, and and we are, as I say, in the fortunate position, we're still able to offer that at this difficult time in the market. Um, I think all that's left to say, really, Tom, is uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today, and thank you for your ongoing support in in helping us to to move our program forward with our ship owner clients, and and we thank you for managing the relationships we have with our trusted um, reinsurers in the Lloyd's market, um, and all we can hope. <coughs> All we can hope for is that um, the landscape improves, and I'm sure it will as, as more and more companies, um, you know, become attuned to the the risks that their companies face, and, and more money is invested in improving the the training and and the the cyber resilience required to um, resist these attacks. Um, and and so hopefully, um, you know, we can continue to provide this service to our ship owners for many years to come. Yeah, to be fair, to leave on a bit of a positive note, I think what we've seen through this cyber market, and, and for the record, I don't think cyber insurers are are exiting this class. I think most major insurers are are, are understanding that this is an area that um, is increasingly important to their clients and, and needs to be solved and underwritten and, and, and transferred to the insurance market. So there is a an adjustment happening. I think the I think the rating environment will probably continue to to increase, but maybe uh, a slightly less aggressive um, tack. Uh, uh, but 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 the market's here to here to stay. And I think that what we've seen over the last kind of ten years of, of cyber insurance is, as issues have arisen, the cybersecurity uh, community have risen to that um, challenge. And we're seeing that with the the tools that are being requested to be implemented to to prevent ransomware and to to assist with with driving down those incidents of, of loss. Um, and it's it's important that the insurers implement those, understand that the coverage will be there, and then work with insurers to be prepared for for the next the next issue. There's a, there's a lot of positives coming out of the US, for example, with the ransomware task force that President Biden has put in place to try and make it a little less lucrative for criminal uh, organizations to perpetrate these crimes, um, as well as the technological you know, uh, company, the cybersecurity companies coming to, 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 the, to the aid of, of, of clients to, to protect their network. So it, it's an evolving issue, but I, I do believe the cyber insurance market will be here to, to help with that. And it's, it's not going anywhere. We haven't seen a huge amount of markets, if, if, if any, 
pull out of the class. They're just having to re-underwrite and re-understand uh, how to get back to profitability because it's, 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 it's been pretty close to unprofitable for a couple of years. Thank you for listening to Shoreline's Maritime Risk Podcast. Today, I, Thomas Brown, Shoreline CEO, have been in conversation with AcroShore Rees, Tom Kwai, a leading cyber insurance and reinsurance expert. We hope you found the content useful and informative, and we look forward to welcoming you back when we publish our next in the series of Maritime Risk Podcasts. Thank you. We'd like to thank the show's sponsor, Maritime Insurance Solutions Limited. The world and life at sea is changing on a daily basis. Shipping companies and owners are facing evolving threats from political risk to increased maritime cyber risk. Shoreline has the maritime insurance answers you need to make sure your company is covered when crisis strikes. Shoreline are providers of specialist maritime cybercrime and crisis response insurance policies. To learn more about these specialist covers, visit www.shoreline.bm today.